You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. About to turn, I think, into a very busy Friday night. But right now, time for Counterpoint. We bring in Anthony Fury, uh, of course, columnist with the National Post and Toronto Sun, and Bob Richardson, strategist to all, liberal strategist. What, what, what's your uh, official title? I'm a senior counsel at National Public Affairs, a great firm. Perfect. I didn't have it in front of me, and Bob, my eyesight's now gotten so bad that I can't read through my own chicken scratch, so I'm glad you... There we go. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, provincial politics. Two official candidates now running, Christine Elliott and Doug Ford. Um, And it's interesting, because I'll start with you on this, Bob, because they both say that they'll review the carbon tax, which absolutely is hated by the base, hated by this radio host. And um, but it is part of the the rules that they've got to kind of run on. But it does set them on the right side of the base, but maybe the wrong side of the politics of this new People's Guarantee Party, Bob. Is that a problem? I don't think it's a problem at all. This is a leadership race. People should be able to bring forward their ideas, their thoughts, their values, their experience. That's what leadership's about. You know, let uh, let a thousand flowers bloom here. That's what happens when you have a leadership race. I think there are four pretty good candidates, it looks like, for the Conservatives in this race. And you know what? They're going to agree on 80% of the pla- platform. A new leader should be given some running room. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, I don't think this is that complicated. I don't care which party it is. Well, you know, yeah. we're asking people to put money up. We're asking people to put their ideas and their backgrounds forward. They should have some running room to put forward some things that they want to do in public life, too, as well. Okay, so maybe it gets complicated, though, Anthony, because the platform in large part was paid for by the costing out of that carbon tax. And so that would mean kind of tearing that platform apart and maybe putting other things in or cutting. So, but that's what the base would want. Uh, sure. Well, they'll have to rejig the numbers and so forth when they get into the general campaign. But but to Bob's point, we've got people coming forward who are who are similar in some respects. They're all calling themselves, you know, center-right, but they're all different and unique in their their perspectives. We know the grassroots in that 2016 convention when Patrick Brown got up and said, and we're doing a carbon tax, there were only one of two responses, dead silence or sh- or gasps of horror. Yeah. Those were the only two reactions people had to that. <laughs> so it makes sense that these two, uh, Christine Allen and Doug Ford, are going to be against it. And we're told Carolyn Mulrooney will announce on Monday. And I, I touched base with Rod Phillips today. And Rod says, you're going to hear from me in a day or two. So Rod is, is either going to say he's in or out. And, and, and the pressure will be on them both to also step away from the carbon tax and you're going to throw your ideas on the table. Look, Alex, at one point last week, I mean, this party was like a dumpster fire a week ago, and we thought, will they make make it out? Now it looks like rising like Phoenix from the ashes because there's 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 energy, there's ideas being put on the table. And I was I, I was enjoying the dumpster fire. <laughs> I bet you I, were. A lot of people were. So particularly, I'm sure Kathleen Wynne was passing the popcorn around. But you know, they were saying they might not even have a leadership race. They were saying they're going to make people sign a, a thing saying they were going to campaign on the People's Guarantee if they won the leadership. I mean, that was all nonsense and anti-democratic stuff. They're in a healthy spot now. Well, the dumpster fire could probably be relit. I mean, they have to. They have to hope True. to God nothing else breaks. Yeah, no, there's still opportunities there. And, and and the large part of the dumpster fire wasn't just the resignation of Patrick Brown, but the colossal infighting where you had people saying uh, publicly, well, our 200,000 member list is actually bogus and our finances all are all messed. Well, you don't want to say that because the liberal talking point then is how can if these guys can't run their own little party, how can they run the province? So they well, really want to back away from that antics and look like they've n- got their stuff together. Never mind. Bob Richardson probably had that all packaged up into a nice attack <laughs> ad within about 20 well, seconds. Well, 
This is a spectacular yeah. time in Ontario politics. Yeah. Just just briefly, you've got the Liberal Party having its own little internal fight about who's running stuff and a leader with some issues related to her approval ratings. You've got the Conservative Party blowing itself up 100 days before an election, and you've got the NDP and the Witness Protection Program. It is the <laughs> most amazing thing I have seen in 30 years watching Ontario politics. So it's going to be fun. Well, you know, when I'm criticizing this party as hard, hard as I have, that you know, it's a pretty disgusting thing that's been unfolding. That takes a lot. Guys, I want to I want to give you a little bit of an earful, uh, pretty much the earful that Justin Trudeau got, uh, not just at an Edmonton town hall, but listen to this disabled vet who lost a leg serving in Afghanistan and who really hold held nothing back. I was prepared to be injured in the line of duty when I went to when I joined the military. Nobody forced me to join the military. I was prepared to be killed in action. What I wasn't prepared for, Mr. Prime Minister, is Canada turning its back on me. So which veteran was it that you were talking about? Thank you, sir. Here comes Thank you for your uh, passion and your strength and being here today to share this uh, justifiable frustration and anger with me and with all of us here. Uh, thank you for having the courage to stand here uh, and thank you for listening to my answer. Mm -hmm. On a couple of elements you brought up. First of all, uh, why are we still uh, fighting against certain uh, veterans groups in court? Uh, because uh, they are asking for more than we are able to give right now. Sorry, you know, this is a guy, Bob, that parties with the Aga Khan and who handed a $10.5 million check to uh, Omar Khadr, and he's telling a guy that protected our country, you're asking for too much. That was a bad moment for that prime minister. Okay, I can't take you seriously on this, <laughs> and I can't take this seriously. Really? Um, our friend Stephen Harper... Oh, I'm not giving him a pass. Our friend uh, Aaron O'Toole was there for a long period of time. By the way, I think a very good member of Parliament, and now these guys have been here. There are some legitimate issues that need to be looked at, we should always thank somebody like him for his service to our country, but sometimes there are bigger issues. But you know what? I'm going to give this guy credit, and I don't always do, but I'm going to give the Prime Minister credit. He stood up. He took that. He goes out. He talks to people. And you know what? That is a sea change from what we saw with the previous government, particularly in the last five years of this mandate. These guys have nothing to apologize for the, the way that they've been conducting themselves. I'm glad he's doing these town hall meetings. I'm glad he's hearing from guys like that, because you know what? Maybe it'll speed things up to get things done quicker. But he has nothing to apologize for the way he's conducted himself. I'm glad he's doing these town halls, and I think he's done a terrific job at them. Alex, I think it's good that he's doing the town halls, and I think politicians should do more of them. I know the only reason he's doing them is uh, they convene them right after the Angus Reid poll showed for the first time ever their disapprovals are higher than their approvals. So it's a PR exercise, although I'm sure there's some genuine element to it, and, and he hasn't stacked the deck with Liberal Party uh, card-carrying members. So you know, doing them long before the we did them last Angus year. Reid poll. But they, so they are campaign what? stops. Let's let's cut the crap here. That is just not even remotely accurate. That's why they're happening right now. That's why this round is going on, because the numbers are down. So the numbers weren't down before, and he was doing them before, and he will do them, I suspect, next year, too, as well. I mean, I think you, you need to do your homework before you make those sort of accusations, because it's completely 
inaccurate. Well, look, I, look, there's no question any time he does more campaigning than he actually does, I think, governing, but neither here nor there. The point being, I think that he made a big promise to vets and I don't give Stephen Harper or the conservatives a passing grade because they failed on this, too. But they promised vets that they would be different and they broke that promise and they're being taken to court. And it's a very specific promise about what the benefit would be. And what they're doing right now does not meet the words of that promise, Alex. So they're, they're splitting hairs in court, but it certainly doesn't seem like the liberals are fulfilling the, the campaign promise in terms of the lifetime benefits. Well, and that's what, what this guy's frustrated about. They also have two more years in office before they have to go back to the people. And there's more work to be done on this file. There's no doubt about it. I have to know personally the Minister of uh, Veteran Affairs, Seamus O'Regan, who is a smart, good guy and who will be working hard on this issue. But it is a little rich to be hearing from Conservatives who were in office for 10 years, who were never able to solve these problems, now going, oh, geez, isn't this terrible? And isn't it terrible they haven't solved it in 24 months? Give me a break. Well, look, I've talked to several veterans groups, so they, they're the ones who are really angry. And I just... I want to kind of turn the page because it didn't get much better today in B.C. when uh, hecklers kind of pushed Mr. Trudeau to the limit. The other part of... uh, Come on! Come on! Really? Really? Okay, this is it. Will you please respect the people in this room? Will you please respect the people in this room? Will you please respect the people in this room? No, then please leave. Okay. So look, I've only I've got a heart out here for 45 seconds. We'll we'll come back and chat about this, but you're you're look, there's a pipeline fight going on with Alberta and BC. And there are a lot of people who feel like he has uh, broken promises here, Anthony. Yeah, look, if you if you don't, you have the open town halls, you let some people yell at you, other people you don't. I mean, these are challenges. You, you got to let like the security take them out. You don't want to be seen hectoring and nannying and condescending like he's doing there. Bob? Look, you're going to find protesters anytime a prime minister shows up to do something like this. And by the way, who has the, you know, the gonads to do it. So that is going to happen. These events are going to happen. Some of it's going to be planted by the opposition. You've got to expect that sort of stuff. I've been an opposition leader, uh, chief of staff, so I, I know a little bit about this game. So and, you rigged uh, town halls before. I'm not, I'm, not overly, I'm not overly surprised and or panicked by it. At the end of the day, these are great exercises. They're great exercises to talk to Canadians, and I think he's done a good job at it, and I think he ends up ahead, not behind, by doing them. We'll pick up the conversation in just a couple of minutes. Got to take a quick break. I'm Alex Pearson. You are listening here to Counterpoint on uh, Point here on Global News Radio. Now, back to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. So I am uh, getting a little bit of breaking news, and I'm, I'm putting both of you on the spot, so I apologize. And, and Bob, if you're not comfortable talking about this or Anthony, um, we can move on, but I do have to um, chime in because it's just moved across the wire that an employee, and this is not just any employee, this is one of the most important person uh, people in, in the Prime Minister's office, um, Claude Eric Gagné, who served as his deputy director of operations, uh, and it was, uh, I guess, put on suspension back in November, um, was investigated into unspecified allegations. And it has now come out that uh, this person is, I guess, accused of allegations of improper conduct and that the woman who is making these allegations is, in fact, going to speak on Monday about this. 
Um, but I want to play a clip that that Mr. Trudeau said because this man was suspended and it actually did gain traction in Ottawa around the time. A lot of reporters asking why he was in fact suspended. And this is what the prime minister said at the time. As Canadians know, uh, we take the issues, I take the issues uh, of uh, allegations of misconduct extremely seriously. And that's one of the reasons why uh, one of the things we did when we formed government, but once I became leader even of the Liberal Party, uh, we put in place uh, rigorous processes to actually uh, engage and deal with uh, allegations. Uh, that's something that people expect. It's something that uh, we're seeing a need for in workplaces across uh, the country and indeed around the world. Uh, and uh, because of obviously the need to respect the uh, rigor and integrity of uh, the processes going underway, I won't be making any further comments on this situation. Okay, so I'm, I, this puzzles me because he doesn't have a playbook. He does have a playbook. He took this allegation seriously enough to obviously take action right away, Anthony, yet Mr. Kenter, who's also facing allegations, remains. Yeah, yeah. we've got, in, in the Huffington Post story on this, there's a woman, Miriam Denny, who is the one woman who was identified, although I understand, I guess there's several people who have complained about Gagné, and she says she applied for a job, I guess with the PMO, and interviewed with Gagné and other senior liberals, and then after that, a couple months later, he, he got in contact with her online, he sort of badgered her and said, you're so good looking, I, I can't control myself, I, I don't normally do that, but I have to, you know, uh, get in contact with you and then I guess they said they're going to tell more of the story uh, on, on Monday this is just a teaser for it so seems like this you know unacceptable HR behavior going on right beside the Prime Minister in, in the PMO. The the tweet came across from a, a woman by the name of Miriam Dennis, and uh, she says on Monday she will release a first-hand account detailing several instances of sexual harassment by this senior Liberal Party staffer. And I want to be very clear, I do not know what these allegations are. Uh, I do not know if they have been tested anywhere. And I, I mean, this man, like any other person accused of anything, is owed due process. Um, but strictly, Bob, I mean, if you're allowed to talk on this issue, um, this is going to pose a problem for Mr. Trudeau because he's going to have to answer about this uh, probably immediately. I think every uh, leader is going to have to answer about these issues. I think we've seen that in the last week or so. We've seen it here in Ontario uh, from a provincial perspective. We're going to see it in uh, Ottawa uh, with Mr. Herr and also with this uh, incident with the Federal Liberal Party. We've seen it with the New Democrats too as well. Bob, what do you mean every leader though? This is about the PMO. This is about... No, it it certainly is. And there's no question that they form the government and they're part of it. But I'm just saying that this is obviously something that's happening in all the... three uh all three parties in all three cases and there's going to have to be some new rules and standards and procedures put in place and he's going to have to do some very uh, serious work obviously within his office about uh, an issue of this nature but you know to suggest that this is a one-off uh to deal with mr trudeau only is not i don't think particularly fair because we have seen examples in the last 10 days in every political party uh, where this sort of conduct has occurred, including, you know, a number of, of, of provincial parties too as well. So obviously this is going to be a troublesome time in Ottawa and that they're going to have to really take a look at this and really make some changes um, that are positive to make the work environments better for people uh, right across the country, not only on Parliament Hill. Look, Alex, I get what Bob's saying, but usually the blowback happens for that party and for that person. So if there's a problem with Patrick Brown, the Ontario PC party wears it. So like, I, 
Sure, maybe there's processes, and the Liberals have this Bill C-65 to deal with workplace harassment, so that might help things, but a PMO issue, and if there's some concerns in the environment there and HR there, I mean, that's that's for Trudeau to deal with But himself. we're not talking not about... And, and, and let yeah. me be clear here, it's a big deal. Of course it it's is. It's a big deal, and it should be dealt with, and it should be dealt with appropriately. So I don't want to say anything other uh, other than that, and I don't want to pr- pr- uh, you know, be, be seen to be belittling, belittling it or anything like that. It's a big deal. Anytime these sort of issues come up, it's a big deal. And, uh, and But I'm just saying that in this case, obviously, it is the last 10 days have shown us that this is, you know, um, across the board. And I think yep. a lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching and take a look at how they've run their operations over the last period of time. Yeah, I mean, this is a very, I mean, for people who don't understand the politics, this would be a very senior member, a very kind of part of the very inner circles at the, in the prime minister's office. Um, and so to have these allegations come out, which will be obviously spoken about on Monday when we get more details of them, it does have the potential then to, I guess, open the floodgates for other people of any stripe to say okay i'm going to talk now right anthony well certainly i mean that well we had just these allegations against harvey weinstein and then that sort of had a cascading effect throughout different industries so i think once you feel like parliament hill is something to talk about and then you feel like this story suggests that the pmo is something to talk about i guess maybe it does encourage people to look back on their experiences or maybe to go well i had a story i wasn't okay i'm going to come forward now so yeah maybe we'll see do you get the sense, Bob, that uh, we're at the beginning or do you get the sense that, you know, it's going to be kind of here and there, but the hits will be be just as uh, hard? Or do you get the sense that we're at the point now where people will start to swing back? You know what? I don't know. Uh, I don't think anybody knows at this point. I think there will be a number of stories that will come forward that will be very legitimate. I think there may be... Uh, ones that come forward that um, need to be scrutinized, perhaps in a uh, in a closer manner. But you know what? I think what we need to do here is just let this unfold. And uh, I think it's a wake up call to anybody who serves in public office that there are new rules in the game, and that there are new procedures, codes of conduct, and the way that you have to uh, conduct yourself. And uh, that is exactly what needs to happen, and that's what is going to happen. Stay tuned. We're in some interesting territory, guys. Uh, I don't really have time uh, to get into my other cam- uh, topics, but um, quickly, you're both. Are you a dad, Bob? You have kids? No, I'm not. You're not. Go ahead. Anyway. Okay, but you're a dad, Anthony. Tom Brady is being criticized roundly because his 11-year-old son, Jack, uh, kissed him on the lips and it lasted maybe three or four seconds. Uh, Bob, does this concern you that, that this would be out of, you know, this, this is wacky and, 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 and creepy? I, I'm a big Tom Brady fan, so uh, he, he was magical in the last three games of uh, that, uh, that I saw in the NFL. I think he is uh, terrific. I think people need to just take a big relax pill. Uh, my sense is he's a great parent. I think it sounds like he has a wonderful spouse, and he's a great, she's a great mother. I think uh, if, uh, if uh, 80% of us could be as good as uh, – as uh, Tom and Giselle, we'd be doing well in life. Alex, I don't want to nitpick people's parenting choices or one moment that you know does look a little odd, but whatnot. You I, know, I don't bring... think it's creepy. My kid kisses me all the time. 
Oh, no, sure. And, and my kids as well. This kid's a little older, 11, and the kiss was, you know, one and a half seconds longer than you think they should be. But do we need to put this all through, you know, uh, a, a lens? Exactly. Guys, we, yeah, live in like, the, we live in 2018, the days of perpetual outrage. Get with the times. <laughs> and hating Tom Brady is apparently something of a pastime. So I, I've got Bob's back on this one. Yeah. All, right. all I got to say is go, Pasco. <laughs> like he needs another ring. Bob, thank you. Thank you. Bob, thank you. And Anthony, thank you. Appreciate thank you. it. Oh.